Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His Kingdom. You guys are in for a treat today. A big David treat. Oh my God. A big David treat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God, thank you for David. Thank you for his heart for this community. Thank you that, um, yeah, that he has something um, from you to share. No, you're fine. And we just bless you to do that. I just pray for our hearts that we would be open. Amen. One of the uh, goofy things about church is sometimes we can overload. Uh, I feel like that was a, a main course. So thank you. My brother and we are becoming friends, I hope. I, I, think, I think just to pull on, oh dear, you're back there. Uh, I'll just pull on one, one of the threads, I think. Perhaps we've been a bit clumsy, if that's the right word, uh, in doing church. You're not really supposed to do church. You're supposed to like... Say yes to Jesus over and over and over and over, and he kind of sorts out the church stuff. Does that kind of make sense? There, if, if, if you've hung around sort of Christian circles, um, I don't know where you guys are all at in your faith journey, but there's sort of, there's this Greek word, uh, ecclesiology. Does that kind of make sense? So it's this, the, the community that Jesus builds. But I think perhaps maybe for longer than we want to admit, we haven't been so much about ecclesiology, we've been about churchology. And churchology gets you into all kinds of trouble because you're always looking for better systems, better methods. And that's an important thing as long as it's serving the... See, when Jesus... I remember uh, my dear friend Brady, one of the last times I was here unpacking the text on Matthew 16 where Jesus makes the declaration of establishing his church. Do you remember that? So he says, I will what? Build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it and I give to you what? The keys to the sanctuary? The keys to the worship team? The keys to being a great speaker? The keys to being a parking lot attendant? The keys to, you know, what does he do? He gives us the keys to the kingdom. Crazy pants. And as Jeremy says, and the text would reveal to us in Matthew 16, which isn't our text for today, is flesh and blood cannot reveal this to you. So it's not turning off your brain. It's understanding that our brain is attached to a body, to a soul, to a spirit. And in this sort of carcass, you know, this fleshy thing that we're stumbling around on or in on this earth, one of our little phrases um, that's embedded into this community, I think it's still there, and it's not just a slogan. Like, Jeremy, you have fleshed out for us today when it says, if you see on some of our material and some of you have been in the swirl for a while and others of you not. We come together because we can't make it alone. We're not supposed to do it alone. 
You're not supposed to be super Christian. You're not supposed to like have it all sorted and then bring to the community what you've got figured out. In fact, you're supposed to bring to the community all your crap, all your shit, all your mistakes, all your confusion, all your doubt, and you say, can you just walk beside me for a while? So Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when we're plowing into Easter here, he steps out of this disoriented space of trying to sort out the difficulty of the path in front of him. And he turns to his friends, and what does he say? Could you not pray, what, for me for an hour? No. Could you not pray about me for an hour? Could you not pray with me? And the strength of the language there, at least in my understanding of the text, is it's about solidarity, not about advice. It's about solidarity, not about an opinion. It's not a sol- it's solidarity, not telling your testimony about how hard it was when you were, you know, going through this in 2014 and what you did to get, it's not, sometimes silence is the best way of standing in support. And you go, I don't have to fix this. I don't have to fix you. I don't have to sort this. I don't have to give you any answers right now. But by golly, we're going to be in this thing together and we're not going to leave each other. Now that doesn't mean stay part of Basileia. That just means don't give up the faith. <laughs> and there might be better places for you to discover what that looks like for you. You know, the first time we gathered in this room, there was about eight of us. And we had these weird little moments of waves where it would be completely packed. All the way, I mean, people sitting all the way over there. Some of you might remember some of that. Legs dangling over these, you know, under these little things up here. We couldn't get enough chairs down in the bottom. You know what? That, that, that wasn't Basileia. That was something God was up to. And we were just constantly walking this journey, Right? I did. I, 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 I won't say actual statistics because I haven't been able to drill right down into the kind of the deep cut of this thing. But I was talking to a few different pastors just recently and some of the vineyard folk that actually there's been a few vineyards. I don't know if you know this, that during the history of Basilina, Basilina <laughs> what is that? Basilina. <laughs> during the history of this community, there's been several... Uh, there's been two that I know of in Pasadena. I think there's been one out towards Santa Monica. Vineyards that started and closed. And there's a host of other denominations. And you guys are still here. I, it's, and again, that's not like a badge of honor. That's like, what it is, it's like, what's going on? I walk, how many of you know Pastor Ed from, from across the way here, the, the whole church? So I walk in here, and Ed, we just see each other. He likes, comes running across. He goes, oh, man, like, you know, however we can help you guys, however we can serve. And, you know, we love Brady. We love Troy and Suze. We love, you know, Shwing Shwang and Schmucky Luck, whoever else is in this place anymore. I have no idea. But, you know, he, it's like his, and he's just like, we can't let go of this thing. Like there's something bigger than us. And it's not a better worse. It's not, a, it's not an elitist thing. It's nothing. It's about faithfulness to Jesus. And there's something that we're drilling down into in this space. And I say we, because for me, this is my home away from home. And I spent a lot of hours in this room banging away on a beat up old piano that I don't think is here anymore. All by myself. 
like all by myself. Saying, Lord, come. Lord, if it's two or three or two or three hundred or a few thousand, who cares? I've been, on, you know, I've been part of church communities of 5,000 plus. I've, I'm in a little church right now of about 80 people slugging away in the Okanagan Hills in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada, just trying to help the pastor and his wife. I just became the worship leader. I'm printing charts and doing schedules. We have this stupid blue tarp that we have to put out on the floor every single time that we gather because it's in an old beat-up dance studio that smells like the armpit of an L.A. Laker. It's like, it's like this horrible space. And we're just like, and it's not about church. It's about Jesus. It's not about this. It's about him. And if he's still saying there's something for you to do together, and again, that's not a, there's many people that are not in this community and they're, they're doing exactly what Jesus has asked them to do. You've got to hear that. You have to hear that. You have to hear that. And he just keeps saying, keep going, doesn't he? And I don't want to miss the text today because I, I think, but I just wanted to encourage you. Does that feel a little encouraging? I hope so. So, Lord, we submit our mind to you. We submit our dreams to you. We submit our sorted out theologies to you. We submit our stuff to you. We submit our children to you. We submit our friends to you. We submit our future partners to you. We sub submit our celibacy to you. We submit our needs to you. And feed us, Lord. We're so bloated and fat in the church. And I think we are underfed. We're overfed on crap. We don't need less teaching as much as we just need prayerful, thoughtful, simple articulation of the text. Lord, feed us today. Strengthen us today. <clears throat> Along the way, they came on a man from Cyrene named Simon and made him carry Jesus' cross. Arriving at Golgotha, the place they call Skull Hill, they offered him a mild painkiller, a mixture of wine and myrrh. But when, it, when he tasted it, he wouldn't drink it. I just love the brutal humanity of that little phrase. And we wax all eloquent and turn it into all sort of symbolic meanings and typology and various things. And I think that's helpful. I just think it tasted really bad. And he's like, I just can't even do this. I, you know, it, this sucks so bad right now. The only thing they're giving me to drink is just, it's just disgusting. I'm in so much pain already. I'll just take the pain. I just, I just can't take a bad soda right now. <laughs> like for real. Like I'm not kidding. 
Like, I just can't take a flat beer, like, right now. It's, this is just not going to work for me. After they had finished nailing him to the cross, gosh, how do, how do you deal with this? Flesh and blood can't reveal. I... And we're waiting for him to die. They wild away the time by throwing dice for his clothes above his head. They had posted the criminal charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews, which was mockery. Along with him, they also crucified two criminals, one to his right, other to his left. People passing along are jeering, shaking their heads in mock lament. Gosh, what was that like? Pretending to cry, pretending, it's like that is nasty stuff. That, that doesn't even happen in junior high locker rooms. Like that, this is like, this is nasty. You brag that you could tear down the temple and then repair it in three days. So show us your stuff. Save yourself. If you're really God's son, come down from that cross. The high priests, along with the religion scholars and leaders, were right there mixing it up with them, having a great time, poking fun at him. He saved others. He can't save himself. King of Israel is he. Then let him get down from that cross. We'll all become believers then. He didn't claim to be God's son. He did claim to be God's son, didn't he? Even the two criminals, criminals next to him joined in the mockery. Now, eventually, one, we know from one of the other gospels, kind of had sort of some kind of turnaround. But at the start, they were just both, they were both ripping him pretty good. From noon to three, the whole earth went dark. You ever been in a blackout? This ain't an electric blackout. This is like an earth blackout. Around mid-afternoon, Jesus groaned out of the depths, crying loudly, Eli! Eli! And they get confused. We're on... They think he's talking about the prophet Elijah. What he's crying out, though, is, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some bystanders who heard him said he's calling for Elijah. One of them ran up, got a sponge, soaked in sour wine. Another bad drink choice. Lifted it on a stick so he could drink. This is part of their culture. This is part of the way they dealt with people in crucifixion stuff and all that. But I really think, like so many things, even the systems that we design to help us cope with our suffering and our pain often are not need the things we, they're not the things we need right then, right? And Jesus is experiencing this in like spades. The others joked, Don't be in such a hurry. Let's see if Elijah comes and saves him. Don't help him too much. Let's just see if he's got the goods. Have we ever done that to each other? Oh, don't go help him. He doesn't deserve it right now. Let's see if he can really pull off what his big mouth said he could do. 
that's how we get isolated, don't we? Don't do it to each other. Don't do it. Sometimes the ones that have been the strongest in the community are the ones that end up in this place because they're following Jesus, not because they effed up. Don't do it to each other. Please. Don't do it. Jesus again cries out loudly and he breathes his last. I was sitting beside my father's deathbed when he breathed his last. It's a crazy experience. This little community was the most amazing thing to watch you know, but an average age of 26, 27 at that time, stumbling through the death of one of our dear friends who we'd got up off the streets. He'd landed in Los Angeles from Chicago. He was a severely obese African-American man. Again, not because he ate too much. It's just because of the crap that he could eat and the only stuff he could afford just bloated his body. Remember, some of you remember Tony. And to watch some of you have to face death like that for the first time in your experiences, particularly those of you that didn't come from urban environments and came from suburbs or, or rural areas of the Midwest or the South or, or out East. And to navigate that as friends together, to try to talk about this, to, to not be afraid of death, to look at suffering and sorrow and pain and go, how do we walk through this together? These are, the, these are the gifts of the journey. The church is not to become insulated and isolated. Again, as Jeremy was saying, this is about just going and helping the poor. This is our salvation. This is our sanity. This is our perspective. This is, this is our understanding of what it means to be human. And we're all running to these hills, and it's so bizarre. Where I live now, up in a pocket of Canada, they literally call it the Los Angeles kind of wannabe part of Canada. It's so weird. The, the, the striving, the insidiousness, the, the, the appearance, the wealth, the money, the mansions along this beautiful, gorgeous 80-mile lake, and then I can drive 20 miles up the hill to one of the most famous ski, ski mountains in all of Canada, big white resort. Olympians come out of that place. And it's the same thing as here. You can be, you can be skiing on the top of the hill at the, in the morning and you go down in a wetsuit and you're water skiing on the lake in the afternoon. It's, it's attractive. There's this kind of this whole thing, but there's something that does, as Jeremy was saying, just begins to eat away at your soul. And so Jesus goes on ahead and he says, you'll learn something here you can't learn anywhere else. You'll find something here you can't find chasing any other dream. At that moment, the temple court curtain was ripped in two from top to bottom. There was an earthquake. Rocks were split into pieces. Once more, what's more, tombs were opened up. <laughs> and many bodies of believers asleep in their graves were raised I've read probably 50 commentaries on this, and nobody knows what happened. Like, this is just, this is one of the most mysterious, bizarre texts in the entire Bible. <laughs> then after Jesus' resurrection, they, they like start trucking around town. It's like so crazy. 
The captain of the guard and those with him, when they saw the earthquake and everything else that was happening, were scared to death. You know, I just watched the first episode of the first season of Legion, you know, last night. And he like, you know, the freak out scene where the girl that just died is like standing there like, that's pretty scary stuff. There were also quite a few women watching from a distance, women who had followed Jesus from Galilee in order to serve them. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus and Joseph, and the mother of the Zebedee brothers. So what are we going to try to get out of this today? So, so much. When they sent me what the, the length of the text was for today, I was like, holy crap balls, this is like two years of sermons. So that's a good thing, though, because you got to pray, right? you got to say, what, what are we going to distill out of this? So let me just give you a couple thoughts. Jesus' crucifixion was not a messy accident at the end of a glittering career. We do not understand the descending path to greatness in the kingdom of God. We want it all to be an upward trajectory. And if we're not on the way up, we think we're a failure. And that is a lie. It's a lie. In fact, it was the proper, though shocking, climax to it. It isn't just that Jesus is enthroned, as it were, on the cross, with the title Matthew wants us to see as the true run written above his head. That, that's kind of striking. Like that's kind of, that's kind of a literary storytelling kind of snapshot into the thing. It's ironic. It, like, it makes great screenplay material. So like, that's like a super helpful kind of snapshot. But... It, it, there, there's something more that's, that's going on here. The effect of his giving his own life, the example of love, non-retaliation, the kingdom way of confronting evil with goodness. See, if, you, if we're really about the kingdom, and we talk a lot about that in our communities, in our vineyard, in our journey. See, the trouble with the kingdom is this, it has a king. It's not the stuff of the kingdom, it's the king himself. Basileia means the present rule and reign. It means where Jesus is, is where the kingdom is. We're not seeking the presence, we're seeking his presence. We're not seeking a kingdom, we're actually seeking him. And when we bow to him, when we surrender to him, the activities of the kingdom will begin to happen all around us. That's why Troy rightfully can come and say, that was the kingdom right there. There's something happening. So yes, it's the poor. Yes, it's the marginalized. Yes, it's the, all. But, but, but you can do all of that and have missed the kingdom. You can do kingdom stuff and miss the kingdom because Jesus is the kingdom. One of the earliest thinkers and philosophers, theologians in Christian history, a man named Origen, was kind of branded as a heretic in his time. I think history's kind of redeemed him. Bill can kind of help me with that a little bit. But he coins this. He's like, ah, maybe. But he, but he kind of came up with this term, autobasileia, which just means this. The person, the person and the kingdom are the same. It's the presence of Jesus, not the activities that create kingdom. Does that kind of make sense? 
Jesus' taking of the world's hatred and anger on himself and way beyond all of these, the defeat of the powers of evil, the blotting out of the sins of the world, the love of God shining through the dark clouds of wickedness, all of this is now to be seen around the world. It's seen not only in the millions who worship Jesus and thank him for his death, but in the work of healing which flows from it. In reconciliation and hope for communities and for individuals, God's making everything new. And where we want to land is, is like the power of death is broken, like for real. Like for real. One of, the, one of the wildest landmarks of Los Angeles, you've probably driven by it a million times, especially when you're doing a shortcut like from, from you know, this area up into, or, or actually just maybe in like, like Glendale or something, into, into Hollywood, you kind of juke along, you know, that, that little track there, what's that, Barham or whatever, you jump down onto the 101. What's buried in the middle there is Forest Lawn. Michael Jackson's buried there, a bunch of people. What do you notice about Forest Lawn? And this was like totally deliberate. You look across this beautiful, beautiful, glorious, glorious manicured park and you can't see one tombstone. If there are markers for death, they're intentionally buried a several inches down into the dirt and there's like a little plaque so that the lawnmower can kind of roll over it. So you don't, it's kind of there, but you don't really have to look at it. Then you have these mausoleums and you have sort of places, you know, with the little urns and stuff where you've got, you know, people that have been cremated and various things. There might be like some super rich, you know, celebrity types or, you know, old, old Los Angeles money that there might be some crypts, you know, where the, there's actually a, like a, a coffin in there, but it's completely hidden into, in a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful marble, st stained glass, gorgeous thing. I mean, I mean, people even come on tours into Forest Lawn to see the beautiful beautiful painting of the Last Supper. If your parents have ever visited you, they want you to take them there. I never even knew it was there until my dad and mom came to visit me in Los Angeles. What, what, is, what is that a statement of? We don't want to face death. We don't want to look at it. We don't want to talk about it. We want to plasticize it. We want to, you know, we want to like suck it out of our gut. We want to like buy the pills. We want to get the deal. We want to like change the shape. We want to, we want to do all this stuff and avoid the, the, this inevitable decay. We just, we want to like stave it off at all costs because it's not just my own personal identity that's wrapped in that. It really could be my flipping livelihood. Like, I might not make a buck. And when it starts bleeding into the church world, it's bizarre. I had a dear friend in the early 2000s who was sitting across the deck, a desk from a key uh, power broker in the city of Nashville. She's about to step into a worship career, about to sign the final papers. And she's looked across the desk, and she's told, you know what, we've decided we're pulling, we, didn't, we haven't quite signed the final ink yet, we know we've invested, we've done pre-production work, we got all the tracks laid, like we're starting to like do whatever, we've already blown X amount of monies on this, but we just, we, we gotta pull the plug now, we don't think we're gonna get our money back, because you're too fat, you're a woman, and you're not British, it won't sell on Christian radio. 
Are we going to hell or what? So I, I used to say stuff like this in this room. That's why there's only like four people here. But it's like, you know, but I don't know. Sorry, sorry, Troy and Sue. But Jeremy, do we want Jesus? It's not about being mean and beating up. Other, I mean, go do that. If you feel like Jesus is asking you to do that, that's not my gig. I don't know. You've got to look in his eyes at the end of time and tell him what you did with what he gave you. I, that's, that's between you and him. And I can hang out. I'll have a beer with you. I'll, we'll chat about stuff. We might even talk theology and have some, some really good riffs on like principles for life and stuff. That would be like really cool. We might go to some good parties together and stuff. But I don't know if we're doing the kingdom. I don't know if we're actually following Jesus. This Jesus. And I put this little thing up there. It's, it's kind of dicey. It's why it's in brackets. Because you can't make a doctrine out of this. You certainly can't. It's a little sketchy theologically and stuff. But the spirit of... If, if you study anthropologically, you go through every culture in the world. I mean, like, on, on the African continent, uh, right down, you know, right through South America, down into Australia, you know, through the arc of Asia. In almost every single culture, almost every single language group, which there are thousands and thousands and thousands, people talk about a spirit, a, a spirit that haunts them. Like a spirit of death. Like, like the, the presence of death that drives you into all kinds of crazy behavior. Sometimes it just locks you down in fear. You know the old myths and the legends, if you listen to, listen to Coast to Coast at 2 a.m. in the morning, you know, conspiracy radio. <laughs> oh, good laughter. I found out who listens to that. You know, but it's like, you know, the, the legends of the old hag, right? The old hag that hangs over your bed and, and you can't breathe and you feel like stuck and you're like sort of paralyzed in your sleep. Right, right from that, right across the spectrum to the kinds of stuff that we've already been talking about. Jeremy touched it, right? Is there something more? We don't want to get all weird in this and look for demons under every lampshade. Been down that road, and that just was like a disaster. But it's sort of, you know, are, are there more, th is, is there more to what's going on sometimes than meets the eye? If, if flesh and blood cannot reveal the, the, the pathway it, that, that follows Jesus, then, then maybe, there, maybe there is something warring against us. Maybe this is a little more serious than we thought. Maybe it's not just all bubbles and balloons, and, and if we really serve Jesus hard, we'll get every, every, everything we've ever asked for. I, I, I don't know. Second Corinthians 11 says, if you stray, he says, Paul says, I'm afraid for you. Kind of interesting. What's he, what's he freaking out about? He says that somehow in your mind, you're being led astray from the simplicity, not uneducated, not unintellectual, but the, the uncomplicated devotion to Jesus. And he says, you put up with it way too easily, and you end up with a different Jesus, a different spirit, and a different gospel than what you first said yes to. It's not that you're just messed up. It just says, you said yes to something, and you drifted. Leaven got in the loaf. And this, the, the, the import of that text to me is like, oh, he, he says you put, it up, you put up with it way too easily and you convince yourself it's the real thing. And you build platforms and institutions and you make money off it and you get jobs from it and you build careers and you do all of this. 
And he says, maybe Jesus in Revelation 3 is actually on the outside of the door knocking, saying, I just want to come and dine with you. I don't want to do church. I want to be with you. And let's celebrate together and reach the lost and care for people and rescue these Russian immigrants that must be terrified under Trump's regime right now. Like, just out there terrified. Three blocks from here, there's a family terrified, I guarantee you, that they're going to be deported tomorrow. That's, that, that's not... And again, that, that's, not like a, that's not like a heavy. Like, if you, if, if you don't make it three blocks down the street, it's okay. <laughs> like, Jesus has this in hand, but he says, I want to dine with you. I want to do this together. And sometimes, you know, you just had a new baby, and, like, you're trying to figure out what the heck. I finally got my Christianity sorted. I got my wife and, and me kind of figured out, or my husband, and, you know, we finally kind of got our relationship on track. We think we're kind of serving Jesus again, and then this total heathen pagan comes raging into our lives and just, like, blows the whole thing apart. This little depraved sinner who's, like, just screaming and crying and just wants all the attention. And it's my kid! Like, what do I do with that, Right? There's, that's why we, it's not designed for one person to pull this off. There's seasons, there's ebbs, there's flows. We carry this thing together. But the point is, we do carry something. Oh, Bill, I'm, I'm in trouble because I, I'm doing, you know, not the, all of my points, but I'll get there. <laughs> so, Quickly. That, and this is going to happen like in three minutes. So the curtain, right, is ripped, right, torn. There's all kinds of implications to that. Some of you have done the Sunday school thing. I don't need to tell you a whole lot about that. The way into the kingdom of heaven is through death. Jesus says what? Come and die. But if you die, let me, let me, let me do the surgery. Like, let me take you down. Let, like, let me, like, put you in the pod. Let, let me, you know, just let me do the thing. You're going to come out of this thing with life. Because you're going to die. Any, you're, before this is all over, death is, you, you will not outrun death. But I've gone ahead of you. And I've torn the curtain. I've, I've carried the keys. I've broken its power. You can stand in the middle of forest lawn and stick the biggest tombstone ever and not be afraid at all of that thing. I have gone ahead into the kingdom of light. We go out the other side into this new world. The repentance, the metanoia, the changing, the upside down values, the beatitudes, the sermon on the mount. It's this, it's this whole completely alternative, not alternative facts, thank God, but on an alternative way to live, Right? As we follow Christ into and through, there are a few things highlighted in the text that are foul with the stench of death, but that we can be liberated from and walk in, uh, into in this new world, this new life, this new way of Jesus. There, there's three I'm going to highlight. He breaks the power of shame. What was haunting you? Shame. And I'm sorry if any of us ever put that on you. It's just something we do to each other. We do it to ourselves. But it's this hovering, haunting, lascivious, scheming, 
evil spirit of death. I don't just mean entity. I mean, it's in our systems. It's in our structures. It's in, it's in the entertainment industry. It's in the beauty industry. It's in the clothing industry. It's, 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 in, our, it's in our career tracks. This haunting, creeping spirit of death that puts shame on us. And it's through the power of shame that we fund projects, that we build companies. It's through the power of shame that social media works a lot of times. It's through the power of shame that politics goes awry and dominates and controls when it should be serving and liberating and freeing. It's the power of shame and Jesus breaks the power of shame. He obliterates it. And it, we kind of step back in and it kind of trips us up again and it gets around our feet. We can't quite walk. Jonathan Martin says this, salvation is baptism into reality. The gospel is not an escape hatch out of suffering and out of pain. I know it would really be cool if it was that, but that's another gospel. Is it into life and hope and freedom and liberation? Absolutely. But it's out of the world of illusions, delusions, ideas, and ideals. Salvation is an immersion into the real. This is why the incarnation of Jesus, true flesh and blood, fully human, fully God, is so critical. If you lose that at the heart of the Christian understanding, at the heart of the message of the gospel, we'll always try, it'll be a bar nobody can ever reach. But Jesus walks down, and Jesus would be, dude, I mean, he'd be, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he would have sounded just like you. Like, for real, I'm not kidding you. That's why the disciples freaked out, and that some of them, I, they went to sleep. I think they drunk themselves into like oblivion or something. They didn't know how to handle their hero and their God and the one that they were following, suffering. They're going, no, no, we don't want that gospel. Jesus says, come. This, I'm, he says, like for real, I'm telling you the truth. This is the only way to life. The life you're really seeking, it's through this door. It's through this way. And the truth at the dirt floor bottom of us is that we are weak dependent and small, but infinitely, infinitely loved. And it breaks the power of isolation. And I didn't run down and like put that slide together after your testimony, like, that for like legit. That, that was all, I already had this like sorted. There's, there's the word abandonment in the, in the message translation there. And this haunting, hovering thing that wants to kill you drives us into isolation. Sometimes, isolation to the point of taking our own lives. That's the most severe fruit of feeling abandoned and isolated. You actually like take your own physical life. And some of you have been in this journey long enough. We know, we know that story. It's not a shame thing. It's not a whatever thing. It's just like, holy, holy crap balls. Like, it was that, it was that bad? Yeah, it was. Don't try to figure out the answers. Don't go, like, try to counsel people. I mean, of course, we counsel. We walk with each other. I don't mean that. I'm just saying, let it hit you. Like, it hit you. What, what happened? All of a sudden, you have compassion. Compassion comes from being with, not reading about. 
Compassion comes from being with, not watching the documentary, as good as it is. Compassion comes from being with, not giving money. But we get afraid. We, we, we think we're going to mess up. We, this, this death thing, this kind of, oh, I'm gonna, what, is, what is death, right? The fear of, I'm going to lose. I'm, I'm going to just lose. If I give here, I'm going to lose. I, I, I can't afford that right now. I can't afford that time. I can't afford that money. I can't afford to come into that space. I can't afford to, like, not have a parking space. I, I can't afford to, you know, whatever the things are, right? Jesus breaks the power of that. Whatever is driving you into isolation and a feeling of abandonment, I mean hokey. Dinah, when Jesus cried out in the opening words of Psalm 22, asking why God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now think about this as a human being. He feels abandoned by God. How did Adam and Eve feel in the garden? Yeah, they messed up. Yeah, they made a mistake. Was God like, was God like just pulling back and going, oh, you're such a screw up. I'm gonna have to like go over here and figure out some way to fix your mess. And when I got it sorted, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna like kill my son and like we're gonna sort all this out. That's not, that's not the gospel. It's like broken relationship, the pain of that. But God unable to walk, like literally unable to walk anymore in the garden. But the compounding work of the evil one is that feeling of abandonment haunts the human race from the very beginning of our days. It's why we, that's why we need community. The only healing balm for that. That's why Jesus said, could you not just wait with me? Life is hard enough. And when we abandon each other, especially because someone's going through a hard time and we think either the way they're dealing with it is going to taint my faith or the way that they're dealing with it is like bad and we can't have that in the mix or a bad apple that's going to like destroy the barrel or whatever. And there's, there's all kind, you know, I'm, I'm giving you bullet points, right? But, but the heart, the posture, the essence is don't abandon each other. And Jesus gives us the power to not let go to actually walk it all the way through, even if it kills us, even if sometimes we get taken advantage of, even if we lose sometimes in that exchange, we don't lose because it's a death that brings life. Part of the whole point of the cross is that the weight of the world's evil really did converge upon Jesus, like it really landed on him. The crazy thing of the abandonment of Jesus is that it, it was all other people's junk. Like it wasn't his own stuff. This is why we need discernment, we need prayer, we need community. Sometimes the stuff you're going through isn't your crap. It's, it could be because you live in L.A. Now don't believe grandma sitting in Houston, Texas that L.A. is Babylon and you know all that stuff. I'm, I'm not talking about you know you're living in the epicenter of evil in the world. Like that's just a bunch of balderdash. But what I am saying is this. That, that, that there is a reality. There is a spirit. There's a system. There's powers. There's principalities. There's dynamics. Those casting calls will beat you right down. They'll beat you right down. And it's the spirit of death. It's the spirit of death. Can you live and be vi and vibrant in that atmosphere? Absolutely, if you're called to it. Absolutely. If you ain't called to it, get out. 
Sorry, that was a little strong. Breaks the power of sin. At the core of sin is idolatry, and to stubbornly adhere to any source other than Jesus, to refuse to... Sur see, surrender isn't about doing anything. So no, it, it's what you said, Jeremy. It's just saying yes right now, and I'll speed this up. Here we are. One of the prime... Oh, that's a, that's a great quote from him, right? But let's go to this one. He, all he's saying is, is one of the primary things it, it's of sin is it's actually idolatry. You're, you're replacing God with something else. And the big three, we all know them, are sex, money, and power. If I worship sex, I'll, I'll start treating people weird. I'll, I'll, like everything will be through that lens, whether, whether it's on, a, on, a, on a, a screen with pornography or it's, or it's a desire for someone in the club or it's just in the pain of that isolation and abandonment and shame, you just surrender your body to just like, just at least have a moment of some kind of comfort. Heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual, transgender, man, women, children, teens, youth, all of us need to bow and sub, sub, submit our sexuality into the hands of Jesus and allow him to bring life, whatever that looks like. Money, gosh, that's self-evident. Power. Hey, it's kind of, it might be, it's kind of, it's kind of a no-brainer why it's kind of hard to live here once you kind of think about those three things. Idolatry is at the core of sin, that which separates us from God. The antidote to this disease is not a change of behavior. Even though the most helpful tools of addiction, recovery, psychology, spiritual disciplines, scientific understanding of our brains and bodies are helpful, that, that, that's not the antidote, nor is it to innovate or even recover a more meaningful liturgy if we just did some ancient future, if we just you know, did a few old prayers, we put some candles in the thing, if we just got the lighting right, if we got the smoke machine, if we, if we sang secular songs that could be interpreted as spiritual songs, if we, like we could find out, we hand out a free Coke in the name of Jesus, if we can just kind of figure out something and you know, the world would come. But to discover the extraordinary, this is the antidote, to discover the extraordinary gift of intimacy in worship. That only repentance, brokenness, transparency, and adoration can afford. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And the clock, there's a spirit of the clock, and it's just like chasing me right now. So like, we'll just read really, really fast. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands. See, see, here it is. What is it? In the middle of this washing, this purification, this submission, all this, what's buried right in the middle? Come near. Come near. Come near. Come near. Come near. And he'll come near to you. Don't run. Don't hide. Don't isolate. Run to the table. Run to the blood. Run to the bread. Run to Jesus. Run. 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 Run to Jesus. You don't have it sorted. You feel like a screw up. You don't know what's happening. You're not sure if you can actually follow him. But just say yes. Just say yes. Draw near to God. He'll draw to near to you. And it's the only the cross that allows us to enjoy this kind of nearness. It's the way and the work of the cross that gives us this kind of access into deep relationship with the triune God. As our worship moves beyond the bended knee and words of confession, do you know everything ever created under the earth, over the earth, around the earth, demons, angels, creatures, animals, elephants, dolphins, 
manatees, where am I going with this? Like, you know, human beings, black, white, Asian, you know, Hispanic, it's all, all of creation will bow their knee and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. Worship has to be more than that. Everybody's going to do it. Now, as we say here, some will be under huge duress. Revelation said some people are going to be so freaked out they're going to ask for the mountains to just crumble on top of them so they can hide from God. And they don't want to submit, but there's no choice at that time. They will bend the knee. Satan himself will bend his knee. You will hear from the mouth of Beelzebub, Jesus is Lord. You'll hear it. You're going to hear it. So just saying that can't be all that worship is. Yeah, Jesus, I healed the sick. I raised the dead. I cast out demons in your name. Remember that one? Well, just kind of come, come, come up to the door. I can't quite see your face. Who are you? Yeah, yeah, but Jesus, it's me. I raised the dead. I healed the sick. I cast out demons. I had a, I had a podcast that you know, had like a bajillion people hitting it like every week. Man, I, I had a blog. Jesus, I had a blog. Like, you know, and it's like, like you must know who. And it's like, hey, just kind of stand over here. Kind of let, let me look in, you, in the eyes for a minute. Yeah, but Jesus, it's me. And they're like this crazy thing. He looks in their eyes and he says, I don't know you. That's not to like make us scared. Maybe a little bit. It's not, it's not to terrify us in the sense of paralyzation. It's to go, oh my goodness, there's hope for me. Because I don't have a great blog. <laughs> like, I just, got, I, I just got slammed in my like 498th casting call thing. I can't, I can't. My face, my, anyway, I won't go there. Right? This is the good news. Come. Come, come to Jesus. Step onto the narrow kingdom pathway of repentance right through that curtain. I mean, it's ripped from the top to the bottom. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. It's there that we're transformed, we are loved, and we are free. Christ's love compels us. We're convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. He died for all, and those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. No one. Though once we regarded even Christ in this way, I thought he was supposed to get me stuff. I thought he was going to like overthrow the Romans. I thought he was going to like get me a job. I thought he was going to like, and he might, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? If anyone's in Christ, the new create, that's what's it, dude, 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 it's new creation, right? I think so. Like it'll grow. You don't have to like freak out. Like it's going to happen. And it is happening. The old is gone. The new is here. So, so what? 
open your hands. Lord, whatever, I don't know, whatever I have to, and I'm grateful. I, again, it's not about sorting it all, right? It's like, what's the simple step of letting go right now? What is it? Flesh and blood cannot reveal this. So just settle your mind. Just be at peace. Let God tug at you. Just let him tug at your heart. It's okay. If you can't figure it out right now, God, God's not stuck in a little room in the corner of Fountain and Edgemont. You know, it might take a few days to sort this out. It might take a few months. Like, I, I don't know. But if there is something happening in this moment, like right now, just surrender to the work of God, to the work of Jesus, to the presence of his Holy Spirit. It might have emotion. It might not. That's where we get tripped up, right? It, it's the change. It's the repent. It's the metan. It's what, what shifted in your way. Oh, I never thought of that. Or I've heard that a thousand times. And oh my goodness, some, for whatever reason, it's like, Sounds different. It's, it's making sense in a different way. What, whatever that is, Lord, we, we just bring it to you. We invite your presence. And thank you that we're not chasing some fantasy or we're not chasing a vibe or a, a slogan or a, or a marketing thing that's going to change on us in two months anyway. We're not... We're not buying a MacBook gospel that is proprietary and, you know, it's going to swap out the power pack on us and i got to buy a new one like two years from now. So why should I even jump in? Lord, just thank you that it's you. It's you. It's you. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus. He's doing it right now. Some of you just might see Jesus for the first time. I don't mean you know, an apparition. I mean, you're, you're, the eyes of your heart, the hope in your heart, the burning that maybe you're feeling, it's him calling you. He's calling you. There it is. Let it come. Some of you are feeling it in an outward way. Some of you are not. It's okay, but just let, there it is. Just let it go. Just let, let it go. Some of you need to cry for a minute. That's all right. Just let it go. It's his spirit. It really is. Yeah, let it, it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. It's Jesus. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. <laughs> 